MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is our number three of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you guys. We're going to be giving you guys a little bit of college basketball here in the first segment, then. We're going to be transitioning over to a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball. Scott Reichel over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and Brad Thomas, who does great work over at NBC Sports Bet. They are going to be joining me as we're going to be taking a look at that. We're going to be taking a look at a little bit of World Cup as well. We're going to be getting a future on that in about 30 minutes from Brad. So we've got a lot coming down the shoot and we're going to, in the final segment, recap everything that I like in terms of the board for Thursday. A very, very big board as we've got Thursday Night Football. Got a couple college football games. I just don't really have anything in terms of college football, unfortunately. But that's it. We've got NBA. We've got NHL. We've got the whole gamut of things. And what we've got is a game that I like that involves a pretty hefty favorite. 607, 608 on the betting board. Cincinnati, in the words of Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati. They're playing also Cleveland State. The Vikings are a 20-point underdog, and your total is 140. And I'm looking to lay the 20 with Cincinnati for Cleveland State. I love this team when they had Dennis Gates as their coach. Unfortunately for them, Dennis Gates, he now coaches with our good friends at Missouri. And for Cleveland State, rough way to start out the season. Now, on the surface, it doesn't sound bad because they lost by four points to Notre Dame College. You're probably thinking, oh, the Fighting Irish, Cleveland State losing by four points to them. That's not too bad. 
No, this is the 91 Notre Dame. This is the wrong Notre Dame that they lost to. So that is not a good start for the team. Now, I don't think that they're as bad as they showed through in that one. They've got Tristan Inaruna. He comes in from Iowa State and 20 points in the season opener. But take a look at this Cleveland State bunch, and I think that's going to be a little bit rough for them in terms of their three-point shooting as they don't necessarily have a lot of guys that are able to do so. Deshaun Parker he was relatively brutal in terms of his three-point shooting a few seasons ago. Jason Woolrich is someone that I actually do like. He went to a four from distance in the season opener last season. He shot right around 33% from distance, but Cleveland State, very breath of talent because when Dennis Gates left, he brought with him a few guys like a Deboy Hodge, Shrey Gomillion, some of the critical pieces of that backcourt. So it's really Deontay Johnson, the main rebounder, and not a lot else coming back for this team. And I just think that Cincinnati is a very good team, and they're very, very well built as they have the coaching regime that involves Wes Miller, who I really felt like should have been given a little bit more of a look at some of the bigger jobs as well. But that said, he's done a good job of building up this backcourt as he's got David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport back and full DeJulius. In terms of assist-to-turnover assist ratio, when he was at Michigan, it was one of the best in all of college basketball. Now they're able to pair him up with Landers. Not only a mid-33-point shooter that's able to give you double figures, John Newman is back after he was able to be a Swiss Army knife guy at six foot five, very versatile. Jeremiah Davenport is able to give you five and a half boards per contest. You bring back someone with some size and Victor Lakin. He was someone that came in, I believe, from the country of Russia, and he's been able to do a nice job down low for the team as well. They really took it to Shamanad in their season opener, and I do think that they're going to be able to keep things going because they've also done a very nice job bringing in someone in Zan Skillings Jr., a top 100 recruit for the class of 2022, and he's someone I think is going to be able to emerge. Six foot six, a little bit of a combo player. You just have all the goods with this team. Cincinnati is one of the deepest teams at all of college basketball. Cleveland State, they're a little bit breadth of talent. They're having a coaching regime change with Dennis Gates out of the fold, and they think that's going to be rough for them. And one thing that we know about this coaching just tree in terms of Cincinnati and what you're going to be able to get out of West Miller. They're going to play tough defense. As a result, semi total at 135. I'm going to be taking a look at the under with Cincinnati. Made them a 21.5 point favorite, so going to be looking to lay the points. I gave you one big favor that I like. How about if I give you a sizable underdog that I like? 609, 610 on the betting board. North Dakota State, they're on the road. They're facing off against Kansas. Kansas between a 24 and a 24 and a half point favorite and your total it is 142 and a half to 143. We saw Kansas play another Summit League team in Omaha and they got a 25 point win there and well North Dakota State they're significantly better than Omaha. Now North Dakota State they're in a little bit of rebuild mode. This is not your typical Bison team as they lost quite a few of their main scores from last season, but they do hold on to one of their guys in Grant Nelson. He shot right around 33% from three as a six foot ten combo player last season, was able to give the team double figures, does a solid job on the glass. So I think that he's going to be in for a good year. And Luke Yoder, I look at him, he comes in from a little bit of a non D1 level, and he's going to be making a step up. And I do think that he's going to be able to make that step up quite efficiently. Broden Skungberg, he comes in after he last season was a little bit more of an afterthought, was able to give the team right around 5.3 rebounds. They need him to take a little bit of a stride forward, and they're most likely going to be without some of their freshmen to begin the season. And I believe that Desmond McKinney is someone that was out of the fold for the team last season as well. So that is going to make things a little bit rough for them. They're going to hope to be able to get him back towards the second half of the season. But that's it for Kansas. They shot it very well from three-point range against Omaha in night number one, but... That said, Omaha, out of 358 D1 teams last season, 
They were in the bottom three in all of college basketball in terms of defensive efficiency. North Dakota State has always been a little bit more of a slower team, even though they play in a conference in the Summit League that is very fast. It's very up-tempo. Got a lot of three-point shooting. They slow things down as well, and I think that that's a big issue with laying the points here with Kansas because Kansas is built a little bit more around defense. Now, Grady Dick, the top 25 recruit, he had a very good night, number one, against Omaha. He put in there 23 points. He buried quite a few threes. Six-foot-eight combo player that's really able to shoot it well from distance. And Jalen Wilson shot it well from three as well. He had a double-double, night number one. I think that Jalen Wilson got a cool off from the three of seven three-point shooting that he had in the first game as I do think that he's going to offer a lot more value down low. And then you do have guys like a Kevin McCuller. Very good player at Texas Tech last season. Ten points, three boards, three assists. He's able to give you a block, a steal. He does a little bit of everything. And Dewan Harris does a good job of being able to facilitate offense. Not necessarily much of a scorer, though. I take a look at this Kansas team, and I think that they're going to be better defensively than they've been in past years. I do think that the offense is going to take a little bit of a step down. I'm a little bit surprised that Joseph Yasufu, who transferred in from Drake a few seasons ago, hasn't gotten more minutes for the team, but... I took a look at Kansas, and I think that they're just built to play a couple more slow, more methodical games. As a result, I did set my total in this spot at a 138. So along with thinking that this is a little bit too lofty of a line with Kansas, I do think that Kansas is going to be able to do a good job defensively in this one, North Dakota State. They still have a little bit of size, so I do think that they're going to be able to compete down low against Kansas. So a circumstance where I'm going to be willing to take the 24 slash 24 and a half when it comes to North Dakota State and with this total, I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. And then we've got to take a look at the team I was mentioning before in Omaha and how they're going to look to bounce back against Nebraska. Now, Omaha, 1-0 against the spread, but certainly they got to take it to them against Kansas, and now they have to play against a Nebraska team that plays very up-tempo. As a result, we're seeing a high total anywhere between 153.5 and 154.5 in Nebraska. They are a 17-point favorite, and with Nebraska... I did set them as a 19-point favorite. I've been noticing that a lot of these teams are north of 15-plus point favorites. They have been cashing here early on during the season. I do think that this is going to be another one of them as Nebraska. They've got a few guys I think have flown a little bit under the radar. Emmanuel Pandemel, he comes in via the transfer portal after he at SMU last season was able to be a double-figure scorer, and I think that he's going to be having a relatively solid year for Nebraska. Nebraska, they were able to have a relatively handle win against Maine night number one as they were able to win that one by 13. Wasn't good enough for a cover, but what I was impressed by in that game was the way that Sam Griesel, the transfer from North Dakota State, was able to perform 22 points, nine boards, three assists. He was Mr. Do-It-All while he was with the Bison last season, a six foot seven combo player that was able to shoot about 38% from three-point range. So I think that he's doing for a big year as well, and this guy, I feel like, got a little bit overlooked towards the back half of the season, but off the bench, Kasi Shominga. He is someone that comes in from Japan. He had 19 points in that season opener. In the beginning part of last season, he was very solid. Fall off a little bit towards the back half, but I think that he's going to be able to have a solid season. And for Oma, they're able to put the ball in the basket. Frankie Fiddler, in the month of February last season, he averaged 19 points per contest. Problem is, Oma was legitimately perhaps the worst defense in all of college basketball in terms of not just points a lot on a per possession basis, but they completely gave up the arc as well. So you've got multiple issues when it comes to this defense. They really have nobody that is able to rebound. Ironically enough, they do have a Nebraska transfer in a cool Arap. He was not able to play night number one. It looks like he's probably not going to be good to go in this game as well. And for Omaha, they're just looking for any sort of a big man to be able to fill the void, to be able to help them out in general. Dylan Bramham, he... 
had right around like three, three and a half rebounds per game last season. They're looking at him to be able to help themselves out. You've got Lamel Robinson, who he's back from last season, or I should say two seasons ago, because he missed all of last year. Two seasons ago, nine points per contest, but not a gifted three-point shooter as well. You've got a lot of issues, in my opinion, when it comes to this Omaha team. I think that they are really going to be looking for anyone whatsoever to rebound, and I think that Nebraska just has far better athletes that are going to be able to run it up on an Omaha team that they play no defense whatsoever. And for Nebraska, ever since Fred Hoiberg has taken over the program, they've been a top 30 team in terms of possessions per game. So somebody total 161, I think that you're going to be seeing a very fast-paced game, and I think that you're going to be seeing a Nebraska blowout. So going to be looking to lay the points as well. Will we be seeing a blowout in this one involving teams from the same state? 615-616 on the betting board. Eastern Illinois, they are going to be playing us to Illinois State. Illinois State is a 9.5 point road favorite with your total between 134.5 and 135.5. And for Eastern Illinois, they have scored 68 points or fewer in out of their last D1 teams, 28 out of their last 29 games against D1 opponents. Eastern Illinois is absolutely terrible. They have nobody that's able to bring up the ball for the team. They lost to Illinois 87 to 57 to open up the season, and that was pretty much mercy being showed by Illinois. Meanwhile, for Illinois State, they're coming off of a bad loss to Western Illinois, but I'm willing to lay the nine and a half with Illinois State. I think that, that was a wake-up call for the Redbirds. Redbirds, they've brought in quite a few pieces via the transfer portal. Someone like a Colton Sandage, I think, is going to be able to have a relatively solid year for the team. Meanwhile, for Eastern Illinois, other than Rodolfo Bofis, you really don't have a lot down low for this team. And the bigger thing for Eastern Illinois, they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in all of college basketball. I really do like this little under. Want to lay more like 13 and a half with Illinois State. So laying it there. And coming up next, we're going to be talking a little bit of football. As we're going to be joined by Brad Thomas of NBC Sports Bet and Scott Reichel of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network next here on the Great Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Reminder, check out VSN.com. You're able to see all the latest lines. If you're a VSN Pro subscriber, you get everything that we do. So it's a great place to be able to just up your sports betting game and a pair of gentlemen that they've got their sports betting games on just an A-plus level. That would be Brian Thomas. He does great work over there at NBC Sports Bet. And we've got Scott Reichel, likewise for him, over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And gentlemen, let's dive into Thursday Night Football, a matchup that, well, if it's as exciting as the first matchup was between these two, it'll be terrific. I think that it could be a little bit of a lower-scoring game, but Brad... I think that you're anticipating this to not be as much of an aerial attack, and that leads into what you're looking at in terms of Thursday Night Football. As I know that you're looking to the ground. Yeah, so I can't predict if this game is going to be one of those shootouts that we had last time or the classic Thursday Night Football letdown, but one thing is for certain that the Atlanta Falcons are going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball often. I'm attacking Cordell Patterson to score a touchdown. I'm keeping it simple. He scored five touchdowns and hasn't played the, the uh, every game this season due to an injury. Last week, they said they were going to ease him back into the game, yet he scored the first touchdown of the game. When they get into the red zone, their attack is simple. It's run the ball. They're going against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And a matter of fact, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So I'm just keeping it simple. I don't want to pick a side. I don't want to tell you how many points are scored because I know Patterson's going to get into the end zone. And I think that, Scott, you're in a little bit of agreement here. I'm not sure if you've got a side or total, but I know you're looking at a player prop and you're also looking to the ground game. I am. I'm looking at the same guy. I'm looking at Cordero <laughs> Patterson over 54 and a half rushing yards. At the end of the day, this game should be played in basically a monsoon. It's going to be a borderline hurricane according to weather projections. So I do expect a lot of running the ball. Not that Atlanta needed an excuse to run it in the first place, 
but I don't exactly expect both quarterbacks or any of the quarterbacks to do anything in this game. But Carolina's allowing 139.3 rushing yards per game, which ranks 28th in the league. They can't stop the run. Even without Patterson in the first meeting, Atlanta still ran the ball down their throats with several options in a committee. But Patterson's their main guy. He was kind of eased back into it last week. I expect a bigger snap percentage for him. But with the weather and with Atlanta's desire to run the ball against an awful run defense, I think Patterson at 54.5, the number sounds way too low. I'm going to take the over. Yep, and I question how much we're going to see Marcus Mariota scramble out as well. So I do think that it's going to be going to the running backs. I think that Tyler Algier could see a couple carries in this one as well as we've seen Patterson deal with injuries. But I certainly do think that they're going to look to get Patterson a little bit more involved in this one. So I do agree with you guys there. And speaking of the ground game, I know you're looking at a team, Brad, that has done a good job on the ground and they're going up against a defense that has not done a good job of being able to stop the ground as it is the Bears and the Lions Anywhere between two and a half and three is where you're finding this number. Pretty much 50-50 split on finding a two and a half and a three. Total on this game is 48 and a half. Been impressed by the Bears' offense in recent weeks. I don't know if they're going to be hanging like 29 plus in this game. (laughs) That said, I do think that for the Lions, they certainly have some things to work on. They got the job done against the Packers, but I think it's very fair to call that a fortunate win. Meanwhile, for the Bears, they've been able to rise up a little bit more in a game in which we're talking about there not being great weather out there in North Carolina. Probably not going to be great weather in Illinois this time of year either. Yeah, I'm going to be on the Bears minus three. It's plus money when I locked it in. Uh, Weather's probably going to be about mid to low 20s, dreary Chicago weather. Uh, The Bears are going to turn into a team and have turned into a team who have consistently improved offensively. A lot of that has to do with the play of Justin Fields. If you look at Justin Fields over the last five games, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, 100.5 passer rating, 1,306 total yards. In the last game, he broke Mike Vick's single-game rushing record of 170-plus rushing yards. In those two weeks, they put up 62 combined points. Everyone's going to talk about how great the Lions looked against the Packers. Let's be real. The Packers are dead, done, and dusted. They are not a good team. So that's not a win you hang your hat on. Lions at home so far are 3-1-1 one, and one against the spread. So, I mean, excuse me, the Bears. So I'm backing the Bears uh, in this cold, dreary uh, Chicago game. Yep, it should be cold. It should be dreary. And I don't think that it's necessarily going to be too tremendous. And when it comes to the weather that is out there in the great continent of Europe, I don't know if you're necessarily going to get the world's greatest here as Scott. I know you're taking a look at this game. It is the Buccaneers and it is the Seattle Seahawks. I'm a little bit befuddled that some places have moved this to the Seahawks being a three-point underdog. Total game is right in that low 40s like we're seeing many totals this year, right around about a 44, 44 and a half. So where do you stand on this game? Because I just take a look at Tom Brady and... Just doesn't seem like the same guy and not being able to move the ball on the ground for Tom Brady, really hurting him. Yeah, we're in agreement here, but I'm going to go with the team total. I'm going to take the Buccaneers team total under 23 and a half. I have no idea why this number is so high. The Buccaneers have scored less than 23 points in eight of their first nine games this season. Even the game they won against the Rams, they were awful offensively for basically the entire game until the final drive. And a lot of that was really just the Rams defense just giving away free eight, nine yard checkdowns on the final to allow them to get out of bounds. I don't know what the Rams were doing defensively, but the Buccaneers can't push the ball down the field. They can't run. The offensive line's not great either. And Seattle defensively has quietly been a lot better as the season has progressed. The Seahawks have allowed less than 24 points in each of their last four games. I'm just going to dare Tampa to do anything offensively. They've shown me nothing. And I do think 23 and a half, you're relying on basically three touchdowns and a field goal. I don't see them scoring three touchdowns. I'm not sure they score two touchdowns. 
But Tampa Bay's offense is broken, and I'm not going to suddenly think they're fixed because they beat an equally broken Rams team. This offense isn't good. I'll keep fading it. Yep, I cannot blame you there. And then, Brad, I know that you've done something very interesting in terms of the college football slate for this week as we've got Mississippi State versus Georgia. Georgia fighting themselves as a sizable favorite as they are now number one in terms of college football playoff. But I know that you're bypassing the normal spread and the normal total. But instead, you're going to be taking a look at a little bit of a prop of this game. Take me through your mindset on it and what you're going to be taking a look at in terms of the Georgia-Mississippi State game. Yeah, so I was lucky and locked this line in really early. Uh, some of the books took it down uh, due to the impending weather. But I'm going to be on first method of score. The first team to score the touchdown is Georgia, which means if there's a field goal uh, or if Mississippi State scores a touchdown first, you lose your bet. You or a safety. To score the first down. Or is, oh, oh, God <laughs> forbid if there's a safety. But, yes, yeah, so I'm going to be on Georgia to score the first point by touchdown. And why I like this is for two reasons. Georgia's number one in uh, DVD, which is value drive rate. So the percentage of their opponent drives that end in greater or less than greater position based on their field position. Um, and basically, which means teams, when they get good field position, aren't capitalizing by scoring touchdowns. Or if they pass half field or it's a turnover, they're not scoring touchdowns. They're settling for field goals. Number two, they're number one in DTD, which is touchdown percentage. They have the best percentage of non-touchdowns per drives in college football. They are going to hold this Mississippi State team down. And if these wins continue to shift, uh, when this bet was locked, it was about 15 miles per hour. Could be It could be even higher. I don't expect Mississippi State to kick a field goal. I don't expect Georgia to try to kick a field goal. So what it's going to come down to is who you trust more. Do you trust Georgia to score a touchdown on Mississippi State first or Mississippi State to score a touchdown on the number two defense in the country first? I'm siding with Georgia. I don't blame you there, and I do think that the conditions very much something that you do want to be taking a look at in that game is feels like we've got a lot of strange weather games, whether that be the NFL or college for this week. So very much something that you want to keep in mind, though. The weather for this game, it looks like it's solid for this one. As Scott, I know you're taking a look at the Notre Dame bunch that they get a big win against Clemson. Now we're going to see how they handle success as they go on the road. They face off against Navy. When the lowest totals on the board at 39.5 with Notre Dame being about a 15 to a 15.5 point favorite. Do you think that this is going to be a little bit of a letdown spot for Notre Dame? Or do you think that they have finally found their footing after getting that nice win over Clemson? I think it would be a letdown spot if they didn't lose to Marshall earlier this season. I don't think Notre Dame can afford any letdown spots. But it seems like this team has finally started clicking. Destroyed Clemson. I think Clemson was overrated anyway, but they still took care of business. I'm really just low on Navy. Uh, I was well on them before the season started. Then Olavatai got hurt. They've really been scrambling the last couple of weeks to find another quarterback. And offensively, they really have not been good. Navy scored less than 21 points in regulation in each of its last three games, including a matchup against Temple, which is not exactly known for its defensive prowess. But Notre Dame has won each of its last three games by at least 17 points, beat a ranked Syracuse at the time. I know Syracuse kind of fell apart, but beat Clemson by 21 last week. I don't think Navy is a really good offense at this point because of the quarterback inconsistency and the fact that Notre Dame has better athletes at every position. It's a low total because I'm not sure that Navy's going to actually score. They only scored 10 points against Cincinnati last week, and they had three at the half. The game kind of got out of hand. They scored at the end. But I'm not sure they're going to score more than 10 in this game. I think that Notre Dame should end up doing whatever it wants because of its dominance in the trenches especially. I like Notre Dame to win this game comfortably. I think 50 and a half is a little bit too low for a team that has this many advantages at that many positions. I just think this line's too short. Yeah, Ben, when it comes to college football this week, we've got a lot of wonky 
games that we're going to be taking a look at as well because you've got a total that is as low as 35 right now in terms of the Wisconsin versus Iowa game, which I had to double-check that in. I also had to do a double-take in terms of the Arizona versus UCLA game, and that is a total that it was at 77.5, and as I've come on the show, it has now risen to a 78 as Arizona They've allowed 45-plus points each out of the last four weeks as well. So we've got a lot of intrigue there. We're going to add a little bit more college football on the other side. But Brad, I know that he joins us every week. He might be off a little bit towards the World Cup. So we're going to get a little bit of a World Cup future from him. We're also going to be taking a look at the NBA. So we're in a little bit of everything next segment right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Make game day a little bit more chill with some extra cash as you're able to play for free during the college football season with the Coors Light College Football Pick'em. Join 15 free-to-play pools for your shot at $5,000 in weekly prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Coors Light Pick'em. Now to join in on the action, Coors Light, perfect shot of refreshment, 21 years or older terms and conditions and all the other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and please do drink responsibly. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network being rejoined by Brian Thomas, who does great work at NBC Sports Bet. And then likewise for Scott Reichel over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Brad, I know you're a man that you absolutely love soccer. You're wearing a little bit of a USA soccer shirt right now. As a matter of fact, when I talk to you, I know that you join me pretty much every week here on the show, and I know you're going to get a little bit of a well-deserved breather. So take me through a future or two that you like for the World Cup. Yeah, so I wish I could sit on this podcast and tell you that I was going to bet on the United States to win the World Cup, but <laughs> that would be wasting money. Um, I'm actually going to go with Spain to win the World Cup. I, I know Brazil and Argentina are the clear-cut favorites, and they're deserving but I'm not going to chase plus 400, and I think Brazil's a better team than Argentina, so I'm not going to play chase plus 500. We have Spain at plus 850. Um, you know, Spain is always one of those teams that, you know, they can make a run. Uh, they're expected to make a run. This is do or die for, uh, for Enrique. He knows that his club needs to put some performance out on the pitch and make it to at least the finals, or he could be sacked. What's really impressive about the Spain team is defensively they're very sound. You know, they don't let in a lot of goals. Their biggest problem was they couldn't service Alvaro Morata. Like, they didn't have any creativity in the midfield. Now they're getting a little bit more creativity with Pedri really stepping up, being one of the best players in the world. And um, they have Antu Fati of Barcelona, who's also finally fit and a little bit older. I think at their price, they're probably one of the dark horses uh, in the favorite group that I would back and be comfortable with. Why? Because they play great defense. And they have creativity in the midfield, and they can service a veteran. So it's a good mixture of all three, but a lot of youth in that midfield is really what I'm backing. And I think that it is going to be a great World Cup as well. Spain always finds themselves towards the top. They've got a bunch of talent, and to your point, it's a little bit of a do-or-die scenario for them. So we shall see what happens there, and let's see what we're going to be getting in the NBA. Scott, I know you're taking a look at the Miami Heat against the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets. They're between about a 10 to a 10 and a half point underdog. Total on this game is 217. And for the Heat, it was a little bit rough going for them first week or two of the season. Maybe they'll be able to get things going. And for the Charlotte Hornets, there have been some flashes of brilliance for them. But overall, 
little bit of a tough season for them. Do you think that they could turn it around here on Thursday, or is it going to be much of the same for the Hornets? I think it's much of the same. There are some rumors that LaMelo might play. There's no certainty to that, but the Hornets have been a train wreck. They've lost each of the last six games, and against some really underwhelming opponents, they lost to the Nets with no Kyrie, they lost to the Wizards with no Beal, and they lost yesterday to Portland by 10 with no Nurkic and no Grant. And the big reason why LaMelo balls out, but also Gordon Hayward, right now they have a hard time reaching 100. They cannot score at a regular basis. Makes sense because you have Rozier and arguably Kelly Oubre as your second best offensive player. They scored less than 101 points in each of their last five games. The Heat have won each of the last five meetings as well. And four of those wins have been by 10 plus points. Miami's had kind of a rough go of it, but they are the much more talented team. Adebayo should have a good time on the interior because they have Mason Plumley and a couple of other underwhelming center options. But I think the Heat against an offense that can't score, I think should end up opening up a decent lead here. If they score 110, they'll probably cover. I think they get to 110, especially with fatigue since Charlotte played yesterday. I like the Heat minus 10. The Charlotte team's an auto fade as far as I'm concerned. And I think it's always so important to point out a lot of these back-to-back spots as you had nobody play on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday you had much of the league go out there and perform. So having a team that did play versus one that did not, I think that that is important to take a look at. And then, Brad, I know you're taking a look at a little bit of a home underdog as the Dallas Mavericks, they're between a three to a three-and-a-half point favor. We've seen a lot of places set this more around a three-and-a-half now with the total between 208 and 209. It's the lowest total that we're finding on the board, but intriguing spot because with the Mavericks, good start to the season for them. You've had Luka Doncic be Mr. Do-It-All. He finds himself towards the top of the MVP odds board. And for the Washington Wizards, a little bit of a hot and cold season for them, but I've liked what I've seen a little bit more recently out of the Wizards. Yeah, this is definitely one of those lines. If you like the Wizards like I do, wait on it because this is going to be a very heavily bet public side for the Mavericks. I expect this line to get to four, four and a half. But since we're on the show now talking about it, I like the Wizards to win here, to win outright. The Mavericks are coming off a back-to-back. They're traveling from Orlando up to Washington. And they're only back-to-back so far this season. They were fortunate and only had to play the Orlando Magic. It's kind of ironic that they just lost to the Magic. But anyways, we're talking about this Wizards team. This Wizards team has been without the services of Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal been sidelined with uh, with COVID issues. Now he's expected to play for this game. Uh, I like everything that this Wizards team is finally putting together. Kyle Kuzma is playing at the next level, the level that we expected him to be at when he was with the L.A. Lakers. And Christophe Porzingis is back to his unicorn ways. When those three are firing on all cylinders, they have the role players like Roy Hashimura, Avdia, to kind of surround them and make them play better. It's a massive fade of the second leg of a back-to-back on the travel spot. Yep, I can't blame you there, and I think that that is important to take a look at ever since the Wizards lost that game just getting pummeled by the Nets. They've been able to play a little bit better as well, so I think that that's important to take a look at, and when it comes to this matchup, I think that it is intriguing because one of the toughest teams for me to figure out this year has been the Atlanta Hawks. They're right now on a three-game win streak. They just completely railroaded the Milwaukee Bucks a few nights ago. They were able to get that big win as that was the first loss of the season for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now they're going to be playing also a 76ers team that they've been hot and cold as well. Sixers got off to a rough start. They've been stabilizing a little bit more, but for the 76ers has been a shaky season for them to say the least. Where do you stand on this one, Scott? I'm going to go with the under in this one, a 222.5. Uh, you mentioned Atlanta had one three in a row. They did lose to Utah yesterday, so they're, they're on a back-to-back as well. But I'm looking at Philly's offense, especially without Harden, and they've been a train wreck. Uh, since Harden's injury, they've played two games. 
and they scored less than 105 points in each of those two games. Uh, each of the games in general had less than 211 points. So Philly's been much better defensively without Harden, but they've also been terrible offensively. And it makes sense because you're looking at the overall pace. They're the second slowest team in the league. Embiid can't exactly run the floor. They need to play in the half court to get him heavily involved. You have him, you have Maxi, maybe a little bit of Tobias Harris. And then you have the likes of P.J. Tucker. You have Melton in the starting lineup. You have... Uh, Jake Milton, you have a little bit in the Yang. They really don't have a great supporting cast. And Atlanta on the second of a back-to-back, I do think should play slower because of Philly wanting to slow the pace down. And the fact that Trey Young was battling a leg injury going into yesterday's game. Now he played, but the point is, am I fully certain Atlanta is going to play him on a back-to-back while he's battling a bit of a leg injury? I'm not sure about that. I think there's a chance that Trey Young might sit in this game. But to go through some trends here, the uh, last six meetings, Five of those six have had less than 217. I think 222 and a half is too high for a Philly team that really doesn't have many backup options offensively besides Embiid and Maxi. And with Embiid being in isolation in the half court, it's going to kill the pace of the overall game. I like the under. I think this total is way too high. Yep, and when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks, they've been able to put the clamps down a little bit more on defense. One of those overs that we saw a few nights ago against the Pelicans, that's because the game went to overtime as well, which I think very important to note. And Brad, I know that you're a man that behind you, typically you've got a little bit of an Alabama logo and you've got to brush up a little bit on college football as well. We were able to touch on a few games in the last segment, but I know that you've got this one started as the Crimson Tide. They are taking on Ole Miss and Ole Miss right around about 11 after a 12 point underdog has been in that range all week long. And for Alabama, they've lost two games now. I'm not feeling too good about them, and I feel like they've been a little bit overvalued all season long. I'm not sure if you think that this is a good bounce-back spot or not for Alabama, but I think they should win outright, but I think that being north of 10 is just too high. Yeah, I still think I have the hat back there. I like to rotate them around, give a little other team some love, but yeah, I do think the Tide win this one, but I'm backing Ole Miss uh, plus 10.5, plus 11.5, whatever the number's laying out right now. On uh, the last 10 meetings between these two sides, uh, Alabama's just three and seven against the spread on the road so far this season, one and four against the spread. The biggest problem with Alabama, it hasn't been their offense, even with Bryce Young playing one of the worst uh, performances he's had in his career, which was still really good. Uh, they, they, their defense could not stop anything. The teams that they've played so far, uh, Texas, they gave up 371 yards and Quinn years didn't even play half the game. Arkansas, they gave up 377 yards, 26 points, Tennessee, 52 points, 567 yards. Uh, LSU, 32 points, 367 yards. The biggest problem for Nick Saban uh, on the road has been against mobile dual threat quarterbacks. So I think Jackson Dart will be able to kind of get things going on the ground and through the air. And you know Lane wants to beat Nick Saban. That's all he dreams about. That's his buddy. That's his old That's his old boss. He used to get those classic chewing outs on the, side, on the sidelines. So he's gunning for Saban. But I wouldn't count Alabama out from – from playing in the SEC championship, I think LSU could have a little uh, scare against Arkansas this weekend. So Saban's going to know they're going to get the win. But when your team's just giving up that many points, that many yards, it's hard to cover these double-digit spreads. I agree with you. The Alabama defense has not been on point, but you two guys are on point. Scott, you do great work over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Brad, likewise, over at NBC Sports Bet. Appreciate the time, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Always great to have Scott and Brad aboard to talk a little bit of everything. NBA, NFL, list goes on and on. And in the final segment, going to give you guys what I like on the Thursday card right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On VSIN, the sports betting network. Fall sports are in full swing, and BetRivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a fan of football, hockey, basketball, or baseball, BetRivers has you covered as 
You've got promotions every single week like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Scorer Insurance, Friday Night College Football Bet Plus Get, Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and so much more. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today as it is a whole new game as it is the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. First things first, got to shout out all the guys behind the scenes that do an absolutely amazing job. You got Taylor, my audio engineer, all of you guys listening on VEASAN.com or Terrestrial Radio. We picked up a lot of radio affiliates. The reason why you're hearing things so crisp and clean is thanks to our good friend Taylor. You've got my technical director, Nick. All the graphics that you see if you're watching on YouTube TV, whether it be some other provider, VEASAN.com, that is courtesy of Nick and then Jason. He booked all the great guests that we had on, like what we had with Brad Thomas of NBC Sports Bet and Scott Reichel in the last two segments. Scott over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He does a great job there. Always keeps me in line. So a big thanks to Jason and everyone behind the scenes. It says the Greg Peterson experience in terms of the show, but it takes a team to be able to make it work. And I've got to do my best for the team because the guys behind the scenes, they've done an amazing job all night long. And now it's time for me to try to find a winner on the board in terms of the DK Nation write-up. And we're going to go to the top of the board in terms of this college basketball pick. I'll give you guys... Thursday Night Football in a few minutes, so have no fear there. I've got you covered as 601-602 is the game that we're looking at. Western Carolina, they're on the road facing off against Maryland. Maryland between a 21 and a 21 and a half point favorite, and the total is between 139 and 139 and a half. I felt like this line should have been closer to two touchdowns. I said Western Carolina is a 13-point underdog with Maryland. They're a team in a little bit of transition. They're top two players in terms of assists. They are now out of the fold and they have to face off against a Western Carolina team that they went up against Georgia to open up the season on Monday and they were a force 11 steal. So this is a Western Carolina team that they're getting after it and I do like what they brought in in the transfer portal as they brought in a gentleman from Iowa State in Trey Jackson. He was able to have 17.6 assists night number one. He started in half of Iowa State's games two seasons ago and Tashawn Claude I think he's going to be able to do a solid job down low. He had 18 points, 7 boards. If you go back to what he did at a few seasons ago while he was at Moorhead State, he was able to pull in there right around 7 rebounds per contest. So I think that he's going to be a good cog for this team. And then you do take a look at the flip side for Maryland. And I do think that Julian Reese is going to be able to develop. And I do think that you're going to have a little bit of something down low when it comes to someone like a Noah Bachelor. Bachelor, a highly touted guy, but it's taken him a little bit of time. They bring in Patrick Emelin from St. Francis or Brooklyn, so they don't really impress me in terms of the front court. The back court, with having a few new guys, it's going to take a little bit of time to really find that main guy, but it feels like Jameer Young is going to get the keys to the offense after he last season at Charlotte was able to average 19 points, 4 assists per contest, shot it well from 3-point range, and Dante Scott, 6 of 7 combo player, he's going to be looked to to improve upon his 3-point shooting from last season. Shot 43% from distance two seasons ago, last year more around 29% from three-point range, so we shall see what he's able to bring to the table, but I do think that this is a little bit too lofty of a number. Maryland, I think, is going to be in a little bit of transition with Mr. Kevin Buller taking over from Seton Hall, so a bit of a transitionary period there, and I think that Western Carolina being a bit undervalued in this spot. I do think that the tempo is going to be a little bit faster because along with having concerns about Maryland just in terms of total talent, a big reason why I don't think that they're going to be able to cover three touchdowns here is that they just aren't playing at a very fast tempo. Even when they were under the tutelage of Mark Turgeon, this was never really an up-tempo team. Willard, when he was over at Seton Hall, he's never a fast coach, never really a slow coach. He was somewhere in the middle. And if you took a look at night number one against Niagara, 
among the games involving two Division One teams. They played the game with the fewest amount of possessions of any that was out there in Division One college basketball. So I do think that it is going to be a little bit more of a methodical game, though. I think that Maryland also going to be able to take it to this Western Carolina team, and I do think that you're going to see negative regression when it comes to this Maryland three-point shooting defense. They gave up zero made threes against Niagara. I certainly think that that's going to be climbing upward as well. So, so my total at 141, I'm going to go over and DK Nation write-up. That is going to be on getting the points with Western Carolina. Now let's take a look at Thursday Night Football as I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a rough watch as we've had quite a few of those thus far this season as it is the Carolina Panthers going up against the Atlanta Falcons and Pro tip right here, vcin.com slash subscribe for all of these. We were talking about it in the about two segments ago, about 30 or so minutes ago with our good friend Scott Wright Shell. He pointed this out, and I think that he very astutely did so as well. Looks like you're going to be getting quite a bit of rain out there in Carolina. It looks like you're going to be getting some heavy winds. I just took a look at the weather for Charlotte, North Carolina for Thursday and I'm seeing 20-plus mile-per-hour winds. I'm seeing a lot of rain, and you want to be checking in on the forecast just day in and day out because, as we know, the best of the handicappers, they get it wrong. The best of the weathermen, sometimes they project some good weather. It turns out to be bad weather, and then, likewise, you sometimes have very bad weather that it turns out to be, you know what, halfway decent weather as well. So you want to be checking in on that throughout the week. You don't want to just take a glance on Monday and then, be like, oh, 20 minutes before game. Let's see what the weather is. You want to be checking in on that just probably once per day. You don't need to be doing it like every minute of any, every hour or anything like that. But just keep a little bit of mind for that because it makes me feel even better about my under position, which the opener on the total was 40 and a half. Now we're at 42 and a half. The Atlanta Falcons are a two and a half point favorite. And I mean, I like the Falcons all the more because of the weather situation, just because I think that they're really going to be looking to move it on the ground and just because of the weather for one and two, the fact that the Panthers, other than that game against the Atlanta Falcons a few weeks ago, have stunk on offense in general, leads me to taking quite a few unders in this game. I like the full game under. I also like in terms of a couple player props under Kyle Pitts, under three and a half receptions. They just haven't thrown him the ball in general. I don't think that the Falcons are going to be airing it out too much. Now, I do think that you might see some Aaron throws, which is why I do like Marcus Mariota to throw an interception. You're able to find that right around plus 145. P.J. Walker's at minus 185. I think yeah, he throws a pick, but it's just not worth the juice on that one. But instead of taking him to throw an interception, we're going to take a look at his passing prop under because his total passing yards, currently you're finding that right around 173 and a half. And we saw him throw 10 passes in his last game, and he threw for nine yards in a monsoon sort of situation where the wind is going to be whipping. And other than D.J. Moore, you've got absolutely nobody to throw to. I just don't see where the passing yards are going to come from to. Heck, I don't know if he's going to finish the game. So that is all the more value to the under. Also, with regards to a rushing prop, I'm going to be taking a look at Marcus Mariota under 30 and a half rushing yards just because I do think that they keep it on the ground. If you heard Brett and Scott in the last few segments, they were talking about this ball going quite a bit more to Cordero Patterson. I don't disagree. If I'd be taking a look at it over, probably someone like uh, Tyler Algier to be able to give you a little bit of rushing yards. He's right around 31 and a half. I think that he should see the ball a little bit in this contest as well. So it's a circumstance where I do like a whole bunch of unders, but I think that the Falcons, they just have a little bit of a better defense in general in this ordeal because the Carolina Panthers, it's been rough for them. They have given up 24-plus points in really five out of their last six games. So they've had a bad go of it. And for the Atlanta Falcons, 
They've been able to rise up. They've been able to get a little bit more of a pass rush. So there is some encouraging signs. I recognize that this is still a secondary that you don't want to be hitching your wagon to overly much, but they've been able to do a good job of trying to mix and match someone like a Jarek Grady. He's had four and a half sacks this season. I believe that he should have five and a half sacks because I think that he was the one that had that sack on Tom Brady when it came to that game that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got the really bad call on. So I do think that a little bit of context is needed there, but for the Carolina Panthers, it's just all about Deontay Foreman right now, and he's the only guy that is getting the ball. He's been getting right around five yards per carry, but you'd like a little bit more of a change of pace back to be able to help him out because in these sort of conditions of the way that P.J. Walker has not been able to throw it in general, that's a little bit rough. Chuba Hubbard looks like there's a possibility that he might go in this game, but with that ankle injury, even if he does play, he's probably not going to be too reliable in this spot, so you've got issues there for the Carolina Panthers. I think that this is going to be another one of those Thursday night football games where you're just like, why in the heck did I turn this thing on? I could be Christmas shopping. I could be doing something else. I know that for some people, Christmas shopping does not start until after Thanksgiving, and I do salute you there. I don't blame you there, but I've got a mother that does like Christmas shopping in March, April. We all know that one person that does it there, so you can catch up a little bit there because I don't think that you're going to get a lot of scoring. I don't think that this is going to be a aesthetically pleasing. We've got college football on. We've got NHL on. We've got NBA on. So there's lots of options if this turns out to be a little bit of a buster rooney. Or you can hay watch like we've been doing in recent weeks as well with things like Bills or the Bears versus the Commanders. So I think that you're in for a very, very bad game. I like Mariota to throw an interception. I like the under on Kyle Pitts in his receptions. I like the under in terms of P.J. Walker passing yards. I like the under with the full game total, and I like the Atlanta Falcons lying two and a half there, and what else I like is a pro tip that I was talking about a little bit earlier. Visa.com slash subscribe for all these. Just want to catch you guys up that it's all about taking a look at the weather throughout the week. Just day in and day out. Don't just check it once and not check it until Sunday of the game. I think that that's very important, and very important to note that if you're listening live, a replay of the Greg Peterson experience is up next. If you're listening to a replay 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. You're getting Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Paul Howard right here on Beeson, Esports Bank Network. Check out the VEASAN store for the latest and greatest in sports betting fashion. We have more than 40 shirt designs, including our most popular one, Cash and Tickets is what it's all about. You'll find VEASAN shirts and hats for any occasion. And they're all made to order, so you can find the right designer, so you can find the right designer, so you can find the right designer, so you can find... MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.